Well, I want to start this morning by asking a question that I know might sound kind of weird. But let me ask you this question. How well did y'all sleep last night? Did y'all sleep okay? Did anyone here have a hard time sleeping? Okay, some of you did. Yeah, that happens sometimes. That happens to me on occasion. I thought last night was going to be one of those, those times that I was going to have a hard time going to bed. Or going to sleep, rather. Went to bed. But I kind of tossed and turned for a little while. And eventually I, I did those off. And uh, like I said, I know it sounds like kind of a, a weird um, thing to, to say or a weird way to start this morning. But I was thinking this week that there are many reasons why a person might have a hard time sleeping. And I'm certainly not going to get into all those reasons. Um, but I do know from experience that one of the things that might cause us to lose some sleep is if we have something that's weighing heavily on our heart, on our mind, Maybe uh, there's something that we're thinking about and our mind is just kind of going and going and we can't seem to stop it. And it's possible that one of those things that might be weighing heavily in our minds might be having to make a difficult decision. If, you ever, if you've ever found yourself in a position where you've got to decide, you've got to decide about a job, take a job, don't take it, move to another uh, position or move to another city or, or some major decision you've got to make, sometimes those things can weigh on your mind and might keep you up at night. In other words, there, there might uh, come a time where we have, like I said, a, a, a major decision to make and we think about it and we rethink it and we overthink it and we struggle to come up with a final decision. And it's those times that we might say, God, just just show me what to do. What's your will for me? What should I do right now? And that's what we're talking about in, in this series that we started last week. We're in week two of the series that we're calling Solve for X, Finding and Following God's Will. And the reason that I landed on this title, Solve for X, is because for me and maybe for some of you, uh, I, I'm not great with math. I mean, I can do the math. I passed all the algebras and all the, you know, the different uh, math and sciences that I had to take. But uh, some people, when it comes to algebraic equations or other math equations, they see it and boom, they just figure it out. But, I mean, they still have to figure it out, right? We all have to figure it. If we want to find X, we want to solve for X, we've got to go through a process to figure it out. And for some of us, it's a really hard process and so that's why I'm calling this solve for X, because sometimes God's will is like that X in algebra. We've got to figure it out. We've got to find it. And some, some people struggle more than others. But uh, we started this last week. And by the way, if you weren't here last week, and even if you were here last week, I encourage you to go to our website or go to iTunes or some other podcast app and, and look us up and listen to this, to this sermon. I'm going to review just a little bit, but I'm not nearly going to get into everything we talked about last week. And I think this is important. I think it's foundational to the, the rest of the series. So go back and listen or re-listen to that if you can. So we talked last week about two boundaries of God's will. Last week's message was called Between the Lines, learning to live between the lines. And if you remember, if you remember we looked at a football field. And, and J.J., go ahead and put that up here for us. And uh, one, one uh, sideline or one boundary represents the... Uh, the providential, we call the providential will of God. And the providential will of God is that will of God that is going to happen no matter what. The providential will of God is what God has determined. And, and we don't have to pray about it. It's going to happen. We can pray against it. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. God determined that he would send his son into this world to be born of a virgin, to come as a baby. And uh, Satan tried to stop it. You know, Herod tried to stop it. 
Other people heard the prophecy, didn't believe it, they ignored it. It doesn't matter. God's will, God's providential will is going to happen no matter what. And so it's important that we understand that there's a providential will of God and, and to ask the question, how do I fit into God's plan, God's overarching plan for this world? How does my life fit? In other words, it's not just about me, but it's really about how my life fits into God's plan. And, and, and the, the sooner we understand God's providential will, the more we'll be able to discern God's personal will for our lives. So the providential will of God is one boundary. The other boundary is the moral will of God. And the moral will of God is God's will for your life morally according to the Bible. God's will for your life morally according to the scriptures. In other words, you might say it's the do's and don'ts of the Bible. Now, the Bible is not just filled with do's and don'ts, but there are some there. Last week, we talked about one. We talked about uh, that verse in First Thessalonians where Paul says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So, you know, there's a moral will in which God says, you know, this is wrong, this is a sin, and it's clear. Some things in the scriptures aren't real clear, but there are things that are very clear. And, and those, those are God's moral will. One is that we, we uh, live in holiness and sanctification and not in sexual immorality. That means, you know, extramarital sex, premarital sex, the things that the Bible specifies clearly. We don't have to pray about those things. We don't have to say, God, is it your will that I go to bed with this guy? No, I mean, that's clear in the scriptures, okay? That's God's moral will. Uh, yesterday I was reading a, a, an article by Dr. Tim Keller, in which he said this, he said, the biblical commands to lift up the poor and to defend the rights of the oppressed are moral imperatives for the believers. What's he saying? That's God's moral will. God tells us to take care of the poor. He, t- he tells us to defend the, the rights of the oppressed. We don't have to pray about that. That's God's moral will. It's clear in Scripture. And he says further, for individual Christians to speak out against egregious violations of these moral requirements. He's talking about lifting up the poor, defending the the oppressed. For Christians to speak out against these is not optional. We have to do it because it's God's moral will. Okay, so we have God's providential will, what God is going to do no matter what. We have His moral will, the things He's told us in the Scriptures, the, the do's and don'ts the standards for living that are in the scriptures. And once we understand the providential will of God, and once we begin to obey the moral will of God, then within those boundaries, we're able to find the personal will of God for our lives. See, a lot of times we want to go right to the personal will of God. God, what do you want me to do here? And God says, well, you know, I'm doing this great thing in the world. I'm trying to reach. I want the, you know, the, the lost to be saved. I want the sinners to be found. No, 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 God, I just want to, what do you want me to do about this job? God says, I'm trying to tell you what I want you to do for that job has to fit into my providential will. Or others may say, God, what do you want me to do with this situation? And uh, God says, what I want you to do first is I want you to start playing playing and start living between the lines. You're outside my moral will. You're living in disobedience. You're living in sin. I want you to come back over here. Start obeying my word. And then I'll be able to tell you what my personal will is. And so it's, it's within the boundaries of God's providential will and God's moral will that we find His personal will for our lives. Now, 
Last week I said to you, and this is a key point, really the main point last week, the big idea was that the better we understand God's providential will and the more we obey his moral will, the easier it will be for us to discern his personal will for us. Well, today I want to talk to you about asking for directions. Asking for directions. Women like to joke that men don't like to ask for directions. Is that true, ladies? Is that still true? (laughs) Well, maybe it's true. I'm not going to say it is or it's not. Fortunately, man, now we have GPS to save us. And it turns out it's always a woman who's speaking to us. So some things never change. So maybe it's true. But when it comes to discerning God's will for our lives, we need to not only ask for directions, but we need to know who we should ask for directions. So it's not just a matter of saying, okay, I'm going I'm to stop and ask, but it's a matter of who do I ask? Who do I ask for directions when I need direction in my life? And so I've got two main points I want to give you today. And the first one is this. When we need direction for our lives, we should ask God for wisdom. When we need direction for our lives, we should ask God for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all, generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now that is a great promise. Think about what James is saying here. Think about what he's saying. If you lack wisdom, and who of us doesn't lack wisdom? But he's saying, first of all, you've got to humble yourself and say, okay, I, I need help to make this decision. Then you should ask God who gives generously. In other words, God has a lot of wisdom. How many, how many of you know that God is omniscient? God knows everything. He understands everything. Have you ever thought about this, that nothing ever dawns on God? You know, things dawn on us like, oh, well, God never goes through that. Nothing ever dawns on him like he says, Oh, because he knows it all. And so he has all wisdom and he gives it generously. Not, a, not in limited amounts, but generously to all without finding fault. And he says, and it will be given to you. Now, this is great. It's a great a promise. And yet many people don't ask God when they're looking for his personal will for their lives. When they have to make a decision, maybe a decision that is keeping them up at light because at night rather, because they're they're thinking about this, what should I do? But they don't think to pray and to ask God, Lord, give me wisdom for this situation. Now, the word wisdom here, if you take a note, you can write this down. The word wisdom here refers to insight into the problem of life. As a whole, insight into the problem of life. Life brings many situations and many of them are very complex. Life is not simple, right? When we were kids, we thought life was simple. But then we became adults and we realized, okay, life is really complex. And so we need insight into the problem of life as a whole. And also insight into the particular phases, the particular circumstances that we face in life. Now, isn't that what we're looking for 
When we seek God's will for our lives, we're looking for insight, right? When we say, God, show me what to do, we're asking God for insight. Give me insight to understand this situation so I know what to decide. And the best place to gain that insight is in God. From God. That's why James says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Because decisions demand wisdom. They demand insight. Problems demand wisdom. Family life. How many of you know that demands wisdom? We need wisdom at home. We need wisdom at our jobs. We need wisdom in our, in our schooling. We need wisdom in our friendships. We need wisdom in our culture to know how to act in this culture that is increasingly turning away from God and becoming more and more secular. We need wisdom to know how do we deal with what's going on. And I love to read that this verse that God grants us wisdom without finding fault. And what that means is without checking our past record. Aren't you glad that God doesn't check our past record before he grants us wisdom generously? Now, you might say, well, Pastor, I thought you said that if we're outside of God's moral will, then we will have a hard time. Uh, discerning his personal will. Yes, that's true, but it doesn't mean that God isn't going to try to help you. He gives it to us generously without finding fault. He gives it to us generously, and he says to all, to everybody, without finding fault. So he doesn't check your past record and say, you know, when you were 18, I gave you some wisdom, and you made the wrong decision. You went into the wrong career. or you didn't, I'm not going to trust you anymore. No, he doesn't do that. He just gives us wisdom. Now, we may have a hard time discerning that if we're outside of his moral will or we're not trying to align our life with his providential will, we'll struggle with those things. The best case scenario is we live between the lines and we ask God for wisdom and he gives it to us generously without finding fault. And then we're able to make the right decisions. So we've got to start with asking God for wisdom when we need direction for our lives. Secondly, and I'll spend a little more time on this one, is when we need direction for our lives, we should ask other believers for counsel. We should ask God for wisdom, and we should ask other believers for counsel. Because there are times when we have a decision to make that we're so close to the situation that we just can't be impartial. We're so involved in that situation, so close to it, that we just can't be objective. And we need somebody else to come along and to give us an, an impartial perspective. Some along, someone else to come along and, and give us a, an objective view into the situation. Oftentimes, we need to make decisions, for example, about relationships. How many of you know that with relationships, there's always emotion? How many of you know that relationships are messy? I mean, that's just life, right? That's just life is made up of relationships, and relationships are messy. We'd like to keep them all clean cut, but they're, they're messy. And so there's always emotion. And how many of you know that emotion has the ability to cloud our reasoning skills? Right? Emotion has the ability to cloud our reasoning skills. Emotion has the ability to cloud our decision-making ability. Now, if you've ever been in love, 
you ever been in love, you know what I'm talking about. Love is like a fog, right? <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful fog. Oh, it's great. But it's a fog. When you're in love, you're, you're in a fog. You know, it's this cloud. And when we're in love, we make silly and sometimes bad decisions. Because we're in this fog. We're, we're so close to the situation. Oh, I love her. I love him. And we want to spend the rest of our life together. And we're so close to it that we're not able to make good decisions. If you've ever had to make a decision about family members or family situations, you know that it's not always easy because of the emotion involved and because of past traditions and because of, of past situations that maybe someone, maybe you or somebody else, you don't want to let go, don't want to release those things. And so family decisions can be very hard to make because you're right there, right in the middle of it all. So you're in love or you're dealing with a family situation or, or maybe you're dealing with a situation that's just over your head. Because let's face it, we don't know everything about everything, right? We don't. I know people talk sometimes like they know everything about everything. There is a, a young man that I tutor in my tutoring job at Lakeview. This is the third year that he's in, in my uh, my classes, or I'm actually following him to his classes, and uh, the kids tease him because he, he knows everything about everything. And they call him El Doctor because he just, he, you know, you can say something and he's, he, knows, he knows it all. Oh, yeah, que esto y que aquello. And others call him Google. And they asked me one time, the first day back this year, they asked me for Google, and I couldn't understand what they were saying. ¿Dónde está Google? Oh, Google, El Doctor. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But, you know, we don't know everything about everything. Even as adults. And it could be possible that we have to make decisions that are over our heads. That are beyond our comprehension. Maybe, for example, maybe you're not great with finances. You can do your personal finances. But maybe at your job, you're thrown into an environment where you're having to make financial decisions that are going to affect a lot of other people. And, and it's just like, that's, that's over your head. Or some other thing that you've got to do that's, that's really over your head. And so... You're not able to make a decision by your own, on your own. But thankfully, God in His goodness has not left us to make decisions on our own. To make decisions independently. We're members of one body. And we're members of the same body. And so we carry each other's burdens, right? We cry when others cry. And we rejoice when others rejoice. I remember well one occasion when I was a very young teacher. This happened in Corpus Christi, actually in, in Portland, when I taught in Gregory Portland ISD. I was a young teacher, and uh, I was in front of the class. It was a boys' choir, probably about 30, 35 boys in that class, junior high boys. And so as I was teaching, I was stapling something on the bulletin board as a part of my lesson, I guess. And as I was talking, I was stapling it. I don't know how it happened, but I stapled my finger and it was so painful. Of course, this is a boys' choir. I got to be tough in front of the guys, right? But when I stapled my finger, it was my finger that got stapled, but immediately my knees got weak. Immediately. And I sat down on the piano stool, on the piano bench. And my head started spinning a little bit. And uh, I'm not saying this happened, but there might have been a tear that developed in my eyes. It maybe did, maybe it didn't. But the, the point is, it was my finger that got stapled, but I felt it in my knees. I felt it in, in my head. My body got weak because it was pretty painful. I had to sit down. 
So the, the point is that when one of us hurts, the rest of the body feels it too, right? And so we, we carry each other's burdens. That's what Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now when we're called to carry each other's burdens, sometimes we think that those burdens are all the problems that our our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing. Somebody faces a death in their family, we're going to go carry their burden. Somebody has an illness, we're going to go carry that burden. And that's all that is true. But could it be that someone might also be carrying a burden when they're having to make a difficult decision? Remember a decision that might keep them up at night? That's a burden too, because making hard decisions can feel like a burden because it is a burden. And God never meant for us to carry our burdens alone, including having to make difficult decisions. So we don't have to make decisions in a vacuum. We have a a spiritual family that will help us carry that burden. They're not going to decide for us. They can't decide for us. But they might give us a perspective we need because we're so close to the situation, because we're looking at life through rose-colored glasses, whatever it might be. They can certainly pray for us and help us clarify that situation that requires a decision. Proverbs 15.22 reads like this. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Many advisors. No counseling. Plans fail. Many advisors, plans succeed. Now what's interesting about this verse is that it was written by, by Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. The wisest man that ever lived. If anyone could make a wise de- decision intuitively, it, it was Solomon. God had given him wisdom beyond the wisdom of any other man. And so we may think, well, he wouldn't need to seek counsel from, counsel from anybody else, much less from many advisors, or as the King James says, from a multitude of counselors. Yet he tells us, and I believe he tells us from experience, that plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So what we need to understand is that very often the wisdom we need from God, the wisdom we pray for from God, the wisdom He wants to give us generously and without fault comes through other believers. Sometimes when our decision-making ability is clouded with emotion or it's confused by the complex situation, we need someone to come alongside and help give us a clear perspective. Maybe our decision-making ability is clouded by our rose-colored glasses. We think, oh, I just love him. I just love her. Or, oh, this is a great, this is the greatest job ever. I'm just going to go. Or, yeah, I'm going to sign on the dotted line. Now. You know, I'll figure out how to pay for this later. I'm just going to do it. We need somebody, somebody to come along and ask us this question. Why in the world would you want to do that? If we don't have a good answer, then maybe we need to rethink what we're doing. You know, when I see someone who has gotten themselves into a hole financially, and I've seen this many times. Or I see somebody else who maybe has gotten themselves into a relationship with someone that they're not really compatible and and it's not working out. Or I see somebody else taking a career step that 
I think, I don't know, you know, that, that doesn't seem to fit, doesn't seem to be compatible with God's providential will, what God's trying to do in this world. It seems to be going against that. I want to ask those people, hey, and then they find themselves in, in, a, in a hole, or they find themselves in, 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 in a problem because of that decision. I want to ask them, hey, did you ask anybody else about this before you made this decision? Before you signed the deal, did you, did you run this by anyone? Or did you just decide on your own? Before you said, I do, and discovered that, okay, there are some serious flaws going on here. Did you talk to anybody else to help give you a good perspective? Before you made this decision that ended up in such a complicated mess that you're in right now. Did you invite anybody into your decision making process? And most of the time, if we were to ask those questions, the answer would be, no. No, I just kind of went on emotion or feeling or I had to decide something. You know, when we need direction for our lives, we should ask other believers for counsel. Don't just feel like we need to make decisions on our own. That's not the way that God intended it. And, and that brings us to a very important consideration, and that is this. Who do we ask for advice? Who do we ask for counsel? When we're having financial difficulty, Dave Ramsey says, hey, don't go, don't go ask your broke cousin or uncle or whomever. He'll give you advice, but it won't be the right one. So who do we ask? Because we can get bad advice, right? We can get Bad counsel from someone. So it's important we know who to go to for advice. We have to be careful who we ask. So let me give you just three, three things that I, that I want to share with you. There are more than, than three principles. There are more than three guidelines. I'm just going to give you these three. And if we had time, I could open it up and, and you would share with me some other good guidelines for you know, who do we go to for counsel. I would say, first of all, Ask someone who shows fruit of being a God seeker. Ask someone who knows how to go after God, who knows how to pursue God, and knows how to, how, how to seek the mind of God, the will of God. Someone who knows how to read Scripture and study it and, and, and hear God's voice through Scripture. Somebody who knows how to hear from God. Because not everybody does. Some people are dull to the voice of God. God could be speaking to them and they're, they're dull. They haven't developed a sensitivity to the voice of God. So find someone who shows fruit of being a God seeker, a mature believer. And that takes me to the second one. Ask someone who is further along than you. When I say further along, I'm talking about further along spiritually. Further along in life experience. Ask someone who's further along than you, who's been through things that you haven't been through. And ask them about your situation. Right? Both our daughters are pregnant at the same time. And I hear them talking to each other. And uh, I, I know I've, I've heard this before. You know, people, girls who are, women who are pregnant will often compare notes. Hey, have you, have you felt this yet? And no, well, just get ready. It's coming. You know, somebody's further along is trying to instruct the, the one who is not as far along as she is. It made me think about... Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel appeared to her and told her that she was with child, and she told her, and your relative Elizabeth, 
who is the mother of John the Baptist. Your relative Elizabeth is also with child, and she's in her sixth month. And so then Mary went to see her because she was further along than she was in her pregnancy. She went to see someone who was further along than she was, not just in her pregnancy, but Elizabeth was an old lady, which was part of the miracle, right? She was an old lady, had a lot of life experience. She was married to a prophet, to a priest. And so she had a lot of life experience and she knew, she knew about hearing from God. And so Mary, this young girl, about maybe 13 or 14 years old, just finds out she's pregnant. She goes to find and to see someone who's further along than she is in her pregnancy, in her life experience, in her spiritual life. And it was a great thing when they got together. So when, when you're looking for someone to give you some advice, find someone who's further along spiritually than you are. Someone, like I said, who is a God seeker, someone who has experience maybe in the area that you need or just life experience. Somebody who's who's gone through and graduated with flying colors from the school of hard knocks. They can help you. So ask someone who shows fruit of being a God seeker. Ask someone who is further along than you. And finally, ask someone who is not afraid to tell you the truth. Sometimes, you know, the truth hurts. Sometimes they tell us. Exactly the opposite of what we've been seeing. Or maybe they're going to confirm what you've been seeing. But find someone who's not afraid to speak the truth to you. Now, they don't have to be tacky. That's just about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, maybe they won't speak to you that way. But they'll tell you the truth. Unless, of course, you need someone to speak to you that way. That could be the case. But ask God for wisdom. And ask other believers for counsel. Now, does that mean that we'll never ask uh, someone who's not a believer for counsel? No. I get, I've gotten great advice from people who are not followers of Christ. But in the area of finances or maybe in my job situation or some other area. You know, they're very intelligent. They're, they're wise. And you can certainly go to them for uh, advice. But when it comes to the, the focus of our lives, I think it should be ask God for wisdom and ask other believers for counsel. It's really simple, but it's really difficult. It's simple to understand and it's difficult to apply because we have an enemy of our souls who wants to keep us in bondage in situations in which we're in, in desperation and we're, you know, our, our situation is, is messy and it's, and it's complex and he doesn't want us to get out of that. So it's simple to understand, but difficult to apply. So we end up going right back to God and asking God to give us strength to follow his will. In other words, asking God and asking others might help us to find his will, to find his will. But solving for X means not just finding, but following his will. This makes me think of Jesus. Jesus was very real. Just days, hours before he was crucified, he was facing the cross. And he said in his prayer, as he felt the weight of the sins of the world upon him, as he felt this, the weight of the, the coming separation between the Father and himself, he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
If it's possible, God, don't make me go through this. He was praying. He was sweating what seemed to be drops of blood. Talking about feeling the weight and the burden of having to make a decision. Do I call on the angels to come and rescue me from the situation? Or do I go through with the, the torture, the scourging, the death on the cross? And he was real when he said, Father, if it's possible, don't, don't make me go through this. Jesus is praying that. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. May we always pray that. Lord, it's hard. I want to just make a selfish decision. But you've shown me through my parents, or through my friends, or through my children, or through people at the church. Through this sermon, through this teaching, whatever it might be, you've showed me that maybe this is not the right thing. Help me to do the right thing. Let it be your will, not my will, that will be done. And so today, I want to challenge you to live with these two principles in mind. As you live between the lines, ask God for wisdom and ask other believers for counsel. And then ask God to give you strength to do His will and not yours.